I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much, maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Hey there, freedom seekers. Ever wonder about the hero that lives inside of you, ready to conquer the business world? Well, if you've been listening to our show for a while, then you know that we love exploring hero myths and using them to better understand our own heroic journeys. I wanted to make these stories even more actionable for you, so we built a way for you to uncover your business superpowers, avoid potential pitfalls, and see your entrepreneurial journey in a whole new light. Ready to discover your business owner hero type? Check out the show notes or head over to lucidshiftcoaching.com forward slash quiz to take our free quiz and learn which heroic energy you embody in your business. It only takes a few minutes and it's free. Your heroic journey awaits. All right. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I got my buddy Clayton Olson here today, and I'm really interested in this conversation because this has been something that's been coming up a lot with some clients recently. So I, I have a container where we talk about some of the radical shifts that we can make. I call them the seven radical shifts, and these are basically choices that we can make that once we've made the choices in our reality, things will shift. The world that we'll find around us will shift. And one of them is radical acceptance. I think this is like one of the superpowers of the world. I personally think like acceptance is why Jesus and the Buddha, why these historical religious figures, why they got so famous was because they had this ability to access radical acceptance of whatever situation. And people around them were like, what is going on over there that this person can do this? So I'm excited to have this conversation today because Clayton, I queued this up in this container that I had. And what I did not expect to happen was that there was a lot of resistance. See, I, I thought we were going to spend the time using like tactics to get into acceptance. And what I did not expect to happen was that there was going to be pushback on the even the concept of acceptance that people were not wanting to accept saying something like, if I accept, <laughs> then I won't take action in the world to change things the way that I want them to be or something like that. So I'm really interested to hear your opinion about this, to get some conversation going around this idea of acceptance and how we how we can maybe get some leverage over ourselves, how we can resolve some of these thought patterns that prevent us from accepting, because I think acceptance is one of the superpowers that we can cultivate in ourselves as human beings. Have you had this experience, first of all, um, with clients or with yourself, this resistance to being in acceptance in the world? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that what often gets conflated is the idea that acceptance is the same as resignation or toleration. So if I am accepting something, it means that I'm just not even necessarily surrendering in the spiritual sense, but that I'm just rolling over on my back and I'm just in a kind of victim mindset, allowing life or the circumstance to have its way with me from a position of <laughs> compromise and weakness I think that it can definitely be really challenging to the ego because if somebody's in a difficult situation, myself included, 
it can be very easy to be in this fight or flight response. Something needs to happen. I need to take action. I need to will something into existence, persistence, execution, and acceptance just feels and can feel if we don't really delineate and and distinguish what acceptance is, it can feel like it's uh, in juxtaposition to your capacity to create something that you want. And so I often see that in my practice is this idea that, well, listen, if I accept this, which I can't, and if I was to accept it, then how would I get anything done? How would I create what I would I want? So, yeah, I think that's a real common human experience. I see it pop up in my own life when I'm in moments of calm and clarity and my brain isn't in fight or flight. I think I have more access to it, easier access, like intellectually, I can get it. The embodied practice of acceptance is, uh, I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a practice until it's not. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you talk about this, like fight or flight. Cause that, that seems to be the idea is that like, if I, if I accept things, then I'm not going to have this urgent desire to change reality somehow. It was coming up around the, the Roe v, the overturning of the Roe v. Wade conversation. And it's like, that's like a very frustrating thing. It's charged on, on both sides. I think it's just like, it's a really charged conversation. But the idea is that like, if we just, if we just accept that this is happening, then we won't take any actions about it. And then, you know, nothing will change. And I just, I get curious, the idea of it, like giving it its due, you know, we've talked in the past on this podcast about kind of what's the positive intent behind the pattern or whatever. And the positive intent, it seems for this is I want to be motivated to make changes in my reality. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, is that true? Do we need to have some sort of, what would you call it? Disallowance or disacceptance? What, what would you, mm. resistance, resistance pattern. Yeah, resistance. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. like, yeah. Do we have to have some kind of resistance pattern in order to maintain motivation in our reality? Yeah. Do we have to? Well, I, I believe we don't have to. No. But is that a very common place to go? Yeah, Absolutely. In order for me to make a change, it's like I identify and I'm kind of maybe speaking for this frame more so than speaking for myself, but I identified something that I don't like in my life. And now I'm committed to changing it, right? I'm not liking my body. I'm not in acceptance of it. So therefore I'm going to the gym and I'm going to create some results, not making the kind of money that I want in my business, not managing properly, not leading properly. Okay. I'm going to commit. I'm going to, and I'm going to get through this. I'm going to grit willpower, persevere through this. And I think that that can be a actually workable strategy for some time, for some people. It's not to say that results can't happen through that frame. The consequence that I see of that way of being, though, is that if we are in a habit or practice of experiencing lack in the present moment, and that's what we are practicing, then Oftentimes, when we transport ourselves to a new external circumstance, we still bring the same internal experience of things not being good enough and a lack right there in the next phase that we've created. And they're now, rather than celebrating, rather than being with the creation from a place of gratitude, we're on to the next thing. And we are dissatisfied that the thing that we got didn't give us the internal feeling that we wanted because we've been practicing cultivating resistance to the present moment before we went on this journey. I'm so glad you brought it up, actually, because that was one of the things that I had on my notes is he talks about this in James Clear in Atomic Habits about how there's this idea of like goals. The traditional view of goals is that like, I'll be happy when I reach whatever goal. And the problem with that is like, if you think about take a marathon, for example, as an, you know, all of the training that goes into a marathon 
just to cross the finish line. It's like, I'll be happy when I've crossed the finish line, but then you cross the finish line. It's such a fleeting experience in our reality. And we've spent so much time not in that experience waiting, like sort of putting off our satisfaction or our sense of happiness or whatever in the world contingent on the result that we get in the world. And so then what happens is we spend the vast majority, the 99% of the time of our experience with a marathon training and eating and exercising and running, and then the actual running of the marathon itself. And then we have that one moment where we cross the finish line and maybe you have, maybe you're really lucky and you have 30 seconds of exaltation as you cross the finish line, but then it's back to being hungry for another goal again. Because two things, one, we've made our satisfaction contingent on attaining goals, but the attainment of goals is just like crossing a finish line. You have that one moment of the attainment of it. Now we're on to the next goal. So the vast majority of our life then winds up not being a place of satisfaction, but being a place of striving or struggling or dissatisfaction in the world. And I think that's one of the consequences of this, holding our acceptance of reality hostage, <laughs> contingent on the universe's good behavior. Yeah. Something I wanted to just underline in this too, that and I added this word to the list that acceptance is not tolerating, acceptance is not resignation. And also something that you mentioned too, even like the Roe v. Wade as a catalyst for this conversation is that acceptance is not agreement, right? Acceptance doesn't mean that I'm agreeing with whatever's in front of or me. Or that you're it's condoning just, somehow. Yeah, right. So I, I'm curious, how would you then define acceptance? What kind of language you, would you wrap around it? Because it almost seems more accessible to say what it's not than what it is. For myself, at least. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I've been putting a lot of thought into this because, again, for, for me, I thought that this was going to be like, a, oh, yeah, everybody takes for granted that it would be nice to be in acceptance more often. And so I've really been like putting a lot of thought into this lately because I'm, I'm wondering, like, how, how did I language it? How could I language it? And so one of the words that's come up for me is the idea of surrender. So a lot of a technique that I'll teach clients pretty regularly, pretty consistently is called the breath to surrender. I learned this back in acupuncture school. It's a full exhale followed by an inhale to capacity followed by an audible sigh. And it, you literally are thinking to yourself, you're priming your mind for surrender when you're doing that. And so you exhale, I'm going to do it just because I just talked about it. So I'm going to do it real quick. Exhale, inhale. And as you exhale, you let that diaphragm snap back. And what happens is this was taught to me as a technique to switch from the, the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system. So we're switching from fight or flight to rest and digest. And you can feel it as you do it. You can kind of feel a softening in your experience of the world. But I love that word surrender because it's almost as though reality is some river, you know, some torrential, some really powerful, big river that's happening. And you can fight against it if you want to, and you can stand in the way and maybe you can hold your feet against the river that is reality for a while, but at some point you're going to be exhausted and you're going to wind up going with the flow of the river anyway, because the river will not be stopped. We can't dam a river really without a lot of other work and a lot of moving parts, right? And so the idea behind the, the surrender aspect of, of acceptance is that you're just, again, it's not that we're condoning, it's that we're allowing. And that's the other word that I, that I come to is that we're just like allowing reality to be as it is and not hold our personal experience hostage contingent on the universe's good behavior. Love that metaphor. Well, I'm, and I'm, I get curious, how do you, how does that language land with you when you think of like 
surrender because it, it could go i could hear people saying even going even farther well oh surrender is even worse now we're surrendering to the tyranny that is mm. the supreme mm-hmm. court or my boss or whatever the situation is that's interesting because i i hear you on that yeah and the way that i imagine you mean it is it's not necessarily like a giving up it might be giving up a position it might be giving up a resistance but in some ways it's like the acceptance and the re- becoming present to that you're in a river and you're letting go of resisting the river and in some ways possibly then putting your agency where it would actually matter, which is, do you put your agency in resisting the flow of of life or do you put your agency in kind of guiding your way maybe around the rocks or around the river bends, but using the force of the river to in some ways be in flow with it? So it's not necessarily like you're just laying there and you're just allowing anything to or, or let's just say letting it take you anywhere. There's still a choice that you're making in guiding, but you're using your power more wisely. You're using your agency more wisely. Yes. That's the image I get. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love that because that's, that is kind of what I'm going for with some of that. The wording there is to have this idea of, I love the metaphor of the river because you think of a river, like there is no stopping the river. You either go with it or you work really, really hard. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to swim up river, <laughs> but you can, you can try. I mean, but depending on how fast the river is flowing, you're not going to do a lot. You'll probably even be still going with the flow of the river, honestly, unless it's a really weak flow of a river. But if there's any strength behind that river, you're going to be working so hard to stay in the same place, if anything. And so the idea with this is not, I, I love it. It's not that we're giving up. It's not that we're condoning reality. It's not that we're saying, I'm okay with things as they are. It's letting, this is why I think it's so important. It's like letting ourselves be in peace now and we can still take action, but we can take action from a place of peace, from a place of not, because see, the thing is, it's like that, that old saying, um, resentment is like taking poison and waiting for your enemy to die. Think about the, all of the hormonal situations going on inside my body. If I'm stressed out, if I'm like, frustrated, if I'm resistant, if I'm angry, if I'm like rage filled, I've got all the cortisol flowing through my body. And we're not designed to sit in states like that for long periods of time. If, if you think like that's like our fight or flight. So if you think of like our ancestors, they're either being eaten by the predator or they're getting away and they're relaxing. They're not staying in the state of like, <gasps> holy shit. But, but when you have the news and you have social media and you have all of the, the doom and gloom that is out there in the world, all of the things that we could theoretically resist in our reality or p- other people's emotions. And we're behaving, we're thinking as though our body is reacting as though those are predators that just never go away. Now, all of a sudden, we're like literally harming our physical body because we're not designed, our bodies are not designed to stay in that state of fight or flight all the time with cortisol pumping through our bodies, with our pupils constricted and our blood vessels pumping and our hearts pumping. Like that's not, we're not designed to be that way. We're supposed to go into rest and digest later and you're not eating and scrolling through all of the shitty things that are happening in the wars in the world and all that stuff, (laughs) you know? I really think that's why it's such a, an important topic, why it's so close to my heart. It, this is because I really want people to feel free. That's the point of this podcast, right? So just want to underscore a couple of things that I'm hearing and build on, build on a few that from my own map of reality around this, just for, for the sake of summing up what we're talking about here, the purpose of acceptance is to create peace with what is. It's to create freedom 
And I'm also hearing too, this is, I think a really important piece is that it actually delivers us to a place of supreme resourcefulness as humans. Because if I have something happening, okay, let's say that I'm in the middle of a divorce or a devastating breakup, or I've got some type of situation that I'm dealing with, with work or my business that's intense and maybe has me in fight or flight to resist it is actually to resist also my resourcefulness coming online. It's to be in denial of what is, but the more that I can let go of being in denial of what is and come into a place of fully seeing the map of what's actually happening and not necessarily saying I'm okay. Right. But almost just saying, okay. Right. I've got, I'm seeing things just, okay. Mm -hmm. Now, what do I want to create? What's the, what's the best move for me in this? What's the best move for my business? What is, what needs to be said in my relationship? What's the next action I want to take? The trust and the faith that I have in that next action that follows a state of acceptance is far higher than any action I believe taken from a place of resistance. How's that land? Does that, does that seem true and congruent with your map? I, lo- I love this like emphasis on resourcefulness because um, another coach, David Bayer, he talks about there's two states that we can be in an unresourceful state and a resourceful state. He's essentially talking about the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. Cause think about like when we're in the parasympathetic nervous system, when we're in that rest or digest, we're actually like, we have access to more resources than we would otherwise think about how much energy it takes physiologically for us to stay in a stressed out state. Literally your muscles are clenched. All of this stuff is going on and it's just costing you resources it's not only costing us the actual physical resources to maintain that state, but even, even our eyes get, our pupils get narrower, right? Like we literally can see less because we have to be focused off into the distance while we're running. And so I think that's just so funny because there's that metaphor in there of like being able to see less when we're in that stressed out state. And so from a place of resourcefulness or a place of this like acceptance or this, I like peace as well, like a place of peace with reality or Byron Katie talks about loving what is. And I love that. I love that concept, you know, of just what if you just could just love things exactly as they are and we can still want them to be otherwise and we can still direct our efforts to them being otherwise, but at the same time, loving them exactly as they are. And and so I'm going to actually, I'm going to pivot our conversation a little bit because I think there's, we've been talking about acceptance as though it's just a relationship between us and the world. And I think that part of what is actually happening here is a relationship between us and ourselves. And that the, like the key, the essence of acceptance is acceptance of ourselves exactly as we are. And I think this is a big reason, a big thing that people have a hard time with when they're in this resistance pattern is they're saying, Oh no, no, no. I can't just let myself be, I can't just accept myself as I am. Then I'll never change. Then I'll stop going to the gym. Then I'll eat garbage. Then it's like, you know, all of these things, but like, but coming to a place where we accept ourselves or allow ourselves to be again, the language, there's different ways of looking at it, but being at peace with who I am as a person, warts and all flaws, inconsistencies, whatever, whatever the case may be coming to a place where we're at peace with that, I think is such a powerful lens. And I think there's such a resistance to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I see the resistance being, just like you said, that if I, it's this illusion that if I accept myself just the way that I am, I'm going to end up somehow then creating and partaking in unhealthy contrarian behaviors to the direction that I want to go, which is actually such an interesting like fallacy. Because if right? when you come into a place of, 
acceptance of who you are. Like, yeah, see how long you actually sit on the couch and eat Cheetos. See how long you don't take action in your business or you let go of your relationship where I think there's a natural immune system there that can come online or there's your heart's desire that suddenly starts to speak louder and then compels you to go create in a way where you're completely free and detached from the outcome because you're bringing acceptance into it, which makes you more resourceful, which allows you to get to where you're wanting to go in a playful state faster with more power. Yeah. And I mean, that is what this is for. I mean, that's why that's like what's on the other side of making the decision to accept reality and yourself exactly as you are, is this freedom to create from that place of sheer possibility, like enjoyment. Like we talked about this a a few weeks ago, the the idea of that we're going to just beat ourselves into submission or like judge ourselves into submission. And like, if only I judge myself hard enough, then I'll stop doing all the garbage things that I'm doing for my reality. And it's like, well, how's that going for you? (laughs) First of all, like, does that actually work for you? Is it actually working for you to bring yourself into a relationship with an authentic version of yourself somehow? Or even then, once you get to that place, is there always more? There's always more pounds to lose. There's always more time you could spend at the gym. There's always a better way that you could show up in your relationship. There's always more you could do for your business. Like there's some theoretical perfect that we just, we can't even approach. And now we've given ourselves a reason to stay in a place of perpetually disliking ourselves in some way. And so I kind of think of this as like the, you know, the, the two kinds of motivation, the, like the carrot and the stick, you know, there's like the stick where we like beat uh, the avoidance of fear. Like we, we move away from pain or there's the carrot, we move toward pleasure. And I really like, I love, I've been playing with this idea. Cause again, this, this has come up a lot for me lately, but this idea of, um, Have you ever had the experience of, you know, you're walking down the street and you, you know, maybe you weren't hungry necessarily, but then you, you smell, you like walk by a restaurant and they're just whatever they're cooking in there. Oh man, it smells amazing. And you like, you're like physically your body, like turns toward (laughs) the smell of it. You know, like you extend your, your neck and you like start to smell the thing and it'll move you toward it. And that I would call like carrot style motivation. I'm not moving toward that because like I'm, I'm like hung, I'm feeling miserable because of hunger pains and I'm trying to like avoid hunger pains. There's no like n- negative thing that I'm trying to avoid. I'm literally moving towards something that I'm loving. And that I think is the, the other side of this, like judging ourselves, beating ourselves into submission to like will ourselves to do the things that would be in our best interest. And then the flip side of that is like actually creating out of this love of ourselves, right? This honoring of what is actually truly important to us, what flavors we actually want to experience in the world, what we want to smell in our world. I just think there's a lot of possibility there. There is, man. And I think what you're talking about is such a, the food piece is such a great metaphor because we can take that and we can look at just if we overlay it on business and we overlay it on relationship, right? Like in the business realm and feel free to to jump in and add to this but there's a piece of where it's like why are you why are you expanding why are you going after that certain amount of money that you want to make is it because there is a feeling of lack and proving and egoic need that's driving this of worrying around what it means about you if this if this fails what's at stake is your identity or is it in a genuine expression of some type of way, some type of artistic expression that you want to manifest and create in the world. The same thing goes for relationship, right? Like I'm working with folks who are in the 
are single and wanting to get in a relationship? Is it that you're trying to fix what you perceive as a fallen state? I'm single. I'm not good enough. I can't accept myself as being single. How can I possibly accept being single and then get into a relationship? How can I consider myself a successful human being? <laughs> right. Okay. And now good luck seeing yourself as worthy getting into a relationship if you're identifying yourself as a as somebody that's lacking as being a successful human being, right? So the acceptance we can see in those scenarios creates a completely different octane of fuel that powers the engine of creation. Yeah, oh, I love this. And I, I think this is such an important thing too. And it's probably worthy of its own podcast topic in and of itself. But this idea of like, what state are we creating from? Because we're going to find whatever that state that we're creating from, we're going to find that out in the world. The thing is like, if you're believing that there is some formula of external events that's going to somehow make you worthy in the world and we're operating from that place, then it doesn't really matter how many of those boxes you check because the the list of possible boxes to check is always going to be longer. And you're always going to be judging yourself on this gap between you and the theoretical ultimate. The saying that the horizon is always on the horizon, like you, you can't get to it. <laughs> There's no way to get to it. That's just the nature of the horizon is that it stays on the horizon. And so you can like tell yourself a story like, oh, if only I work really hard, I'll get to the horizon. And it's like, well, that's just a misunderstanding, a misapprehension of how the world works, right? You can't get there. You can only be there right now. You're always right here right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Taking that and you mentioned the, the technique that you had with the, the deep breath, which I remember you <sighs> teaching me, I think, way back in the day. Back from acupuncture when, clinic, yeah. Well, an acupuncture, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what a great like way of sympathetic reset. Is there other ways that haven't been mentioned here? Just want to give you like the space. Is there other ways that you notice yourself show up with clients and, and maybe help navigate them or enroll them or experience this kind of state of acceptance. And I know you've already dropped so many with metaphors and kind of some cognitive framework for it. And just curious if there's anything else that you think is worthy of sharing. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, there's, well, there are like some tactical ones and then there's some philosophical ones. And like, for me, the philosophical one is always the, it's another concept that I call radical self-center, which is just this idea of, of recognizing that you are the center of your universe and no one else can possibly compete for that role for you. And, and that, you know, in some, like my version of this is like, I am the embodiment of God. There's only one of us here. Matter and energy can neither be created nor destroyed. All of this like kind of language that I use to essentially say that I am like the center focal point of a reality. And it is a subjective reality from that place, from this, like, again, not to go too metaphysical, but from this place of like an eternal being, there's no downside you get to experience whatever, like as an eternal being, you would probably want to experience whatever experiences, like all of the goods. Yeah. Okay. You do that for a million years. And now maybe you want to experience some not so good things just because just for sheer variety, <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I have a framework for like, oh yeah, well actually like maybe I don't know what's in my own best interest. Maybe I, I'm not entirely aware of what is quote unquote good for me. And so maybe every experience is actually fine just the way that it is. In fact, it's perfect just the way that it is because it's possible that I wanted to experience literally every permutation of existence as an, an eternal being. And so no matter how like quote unquote good or bad, it's just an ephemeral experience that I am giving to myself in, a, in an eternal journey. So that's like a philosophical way that I get to a place of acceptance for myself. 
And then there are like very tactical ones, like very meditative things. Because from the present moment, there's actually not a lot wrong. Even if you're in pain in the moment right now, if you get really curious about, because we have a judgment about pain. So much of the story of pain is like this story about what that pain means, you know, like, oh, my, I'm going to lose my arm or, you know, whatever the, and then what will that mean? You know, and if you can get past that story and get right into the present moment, in the present moment, acceptance is pretty easy, you know? And so there'll be like meditation techniques. One of the ones, my favorite ones um, is to find the fingertips, the the ridges on your fingertips. So you, you rub your fingers together with such attention that you can feel the ridges. <laughs> it's pretty hard to do, but as soon as I can do it, I like get super present, super tuned in. The other one is um, that I love. I, I heard this one on TikTok the other day and it just like, it's beautiful. Ask yourself the question, what will my next thought be? And I've never had anything bring me to the present moment more profound than that, than that question. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, so those are yeah. some techniques. I'm curious, do you, do you have any techniques for acceptance or, or ways that you, I don't know how much this comes up in your practice. Yeah, no, it comes up a lot. I mean, it's at the core of, I would say it's at the, the core of every session in, in some ways, whether it's being explicitly stated or not. The way that I've been taught it just through like, NLP Marin, uh, Carl Bukite, a uh, teacher that I was followed and has been in my life for a good four years now. He talks about this, and I, I just don't want to take credit for it. I just want to give credit where credit's due. This model of when you hear a client's problem, they come to you, there's almost like a stage of processing the experience where it's the first thing that happens. It's like there's, there's something going on in their life, and the first reaction is like, oh, my God, right? So it's a shock. It's a shock. It's taking it in. It's, it's realizing there's like a deviation from peace. There's a deep, there's something that's, that might be wrong. And then there might be a, what the fuck that happens right after. So, oh my God, what the fuck? And the, what the fuck represents the resistance that we have to the experience. Yeah. Why is this happening? Exactly. Exactly. What the fuck? So, oh my God. So shock judgment and then a deep breath. <sighs> okay. And the, okay is the arrival coming back into the rapport, having rapport with the present moment, with things just the way they are. And then from that place, the follow-up question is, so what, what would you like? So what do you want? The okay is the restoring of the resourcefulness, exactly. And then we move into the, the what would you like, which then now we're at a place where we can actually talk about what you'd like to create. Yeah, we bring the desire back online. So when I'm working with people, that's not necessarily something I'm stating explicitly to them, but it's a process that I'm running through based on what I'm actually hearing with them. So there could be something that's happening. It could be something that's traumatic from their childhood. It could be something that's going on in their life right now that's absolutely devastating. And I allow myself internally to go through the stages of, oh my God, what the fuck? Deep breath. Okay. And so now what would I like? What do they want? And so for me, I'm working on my way of being while I'm in relationship with a client in the conversation because there's a very good chance that their mirror neurons are also picking up on how I might be relating to their situation. And if I can relate to their situation from a place of acceptance, they might just get more access to relate to it that way as well. I love that because that, that rapport concept, you, you just mentioned rapport with reality, but then you're now we're talking more the traditional sense of rapport with like another person. And if you're in rapport and you start to adopt a state, then I'm more likely to like 
be drawn into that state as well. Yeah. I do believe, and I'd love to hear your comments on this, is that, you know, when someone is in a state of crisis or someone's in a state of a problem, one of the things they're actually paying a coach for is to not get enrolled in their limitations, to not get enrolled Mm. in the craziness of it. Because there's other people in their life that are either kind of shutting them out and trying to fix it because they're trying to avoid the problem, or maybe they're overcompensating and they're panicking with the person. And those are neither one of those are states of, of bringing acceptance to it, right? And so I think as a practitioner, as a coach, it's how can I embody a stance towards their issue that they can actually learn unconsciously to stand with that thing now as well? I love that. That's such a beautiful way of putting what we do, <laughs> or at least a big component of what we do is like being with somebody, but not getting drawn into the the drama or the the muck around it. And just being like with them. Yeah, that's, I hear that. That's, you know, that sounds, that sounds tough. I, I don't, I don't have that experience of that being tough, but it sounds like it's going on for you right now. Like, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's think about it in ways that aren't from within it. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. I feel like you do a really great job at that too. Just from my interactions with you, I feel like you, you bring a really great level of like just powerful curiosity and kind of creative play to people's problems, which I think is such a powerful resource in your coaching. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, play, I think, is like one of the superpowers that creates that safety is because like I can be, I, you know, like my clients know from me that I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to take it too seriously. I'm here to like, just kind of like, po- you know, poke around. I really believe that wasn't just like thoughts that I was talking about before. I really believe there's only one of us here, that we're an eternal being. That there's nowhere to be really from that perspective. And from that perspective, we can like play with reality exactly as it is right now. And I think that that's like, it's just like such a fun way of going about like quote unquote problem solving, you know? I, but I, I just wanted to highlight this thing because you asked earlier the language about acceptance other than acceptance. But I think this is this is what I'm, the essence of what I'm getting at right here is this rapport with reality, coming into rapport with reality. That is what I think radical acceptance is, <laughs> is like being friends with things exactly as they are, even if you do want them to change. Like I can love myself and still want to be stronger. I can love myself and still want to be a better business person. I can love myself right now as I am and still want to be in relationship with someone that I'm not right now. You know what I mean? And so I just think that that is like, that's the essence of this, this whole conversation for me. Well said. Well said. I feel like that is uh, those words put a container around everything we've been talking about. Yeah, we can. I, I do. I do not have to hate myself to, to get to where I want to go. I do not have to hate myself to get to where I want to go. I don't have to hate myself. I, I can't even really hate myself to get where I want to go. But <laughs> well, you're just such a likable man, time. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I meant. All right. So Clayton, this is so great, man. If dude, if people want to have a conversation with you and tap into this brilliance and access and change their, uh, their rapport with their reality, go through those processes where can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? Well, you can go to my website, ClaytonOlsonCoaching.com, or just simply email me at Clayton at ClaytonOlsonCoaching.com. Olson is spelled with an O-N, like the Olson twins. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, <laughs> dude, thank you so much for having the conversation with me today. Uh, I look forward yeah. to many more of these and uh, really appreciate you sharing your perspective. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I always enjoy these. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. 
If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.